0: We have two more Sundays left of our Awesome God series. I have to confess, when you asked us what the name of God was last week, for the life of me, I could not remember. <laughs> so if you could not remember, don't feel bad. Um, take notes, I guess. That helps. Yeah, but today we're going to be looking at the name of God, which is El Shaddai, God Almighty. Um, These names of God as God reveals himself in scripture. We find that God is referred to as uh, several different names. All words, Hebrew words that are descriptive of God's character, his nature. The the way he acts. Who he's like. And what we find over and over and over again. That this God that we've been singing about this morning. That we've been talking to and talking about. He is truly an awesome God. God so awesome that when you meet him when you start getting to know this God it changes you if you're really getting close to him you will find yourself being challenged in all sorts of wonderful and terrifying ways um, you will find yourself growing on the inside you will find yourself getting caught up hopefully in in this mission That God is on in the world. It started a long, long time ago and is not done yet. The closer you get to the heart of God, the more you get in touch with his heart for the world. And one of the reasons why we exist here as a church. um, It's not just for our own spiritual needs. But so that we we can participate in the work that God is doing. In our lives. Through our lives. It's why we have hope. Um, In a city like Portland, in a time like this, we have hope. We should have hope. If you don't have hope, then I want to invite you, um, jump on in. Figure out how it works. Find someone who who can walk with you, support you, pray with you. That's what we're doing here as a church family. Let's go to Genesis chapter 35. We're going to read a much shorter uh, passage of scripture this morning, uh, but we're actually going to cover quite a bit um, before we're all done. Genesis chapter 35, we're going to read verses 9 through 15. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you. And kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you. And I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel, which literally translated means house of God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for the opportunity gather like this Lord, I pray that um, in the next few moments as we're considering these words your word won't you help us Holy Spirit would you be our teacher we don't want to simply learn more information about you we want to experience more of you we want to know what it truly means to be your sons and daughters we love you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. If you're here, Lily alluded to this, but if you're here and you're thinking, I, you know, gee, there's been a lot of God talk um, in the last forty minutes, and hopefully that's not too much of a shock. We are in in church, but you might be thinking, I don't, I don't know if I love Jesus. Maybe like, but I'm I'm still trying to figure out who this God really is, and 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 how Jesus has something to do with that. And I want to just say right up front, as we're as we're working through this passage, don't feel any pressure to to be someone or think something that you're not or don't. Uh, this is an invitation every time we come here on a Sunday morning. The invitation stands. Uh, come on the journey, take, take a step forward, lean in, learn, be challenged, get ready to respond. But I just want to I want to I clear there. I want to address the elephant. Not everyone here necessarily says yeah i 'm a Christian, hundred percent all in." If you're here because you're trying to figure things out, you are in the right place. You are very, very welcome. And that includes anyone who's online. Just wanted to say that because we're about to go into the deep end this morning. We're going we're to take a deep dive in the, into the story of God. You might hear things that are like, what is he even talking about? How does this fit into my life? Bear with me. I'm going to do my best to take us someplace this morning. Have you ever experienced deja vu? Yeah? Lately? You know, it's a glitch in the matrix, right? Okay, I'm old. Deja vu is weird and kind of cool. Like when it happens, and God only knows like what it is. I mean, when you've really had intense deja vu, I don't know what that is. But it's kind of cool. Have you ever found yourself experiencing something in life where it's not necessarily deja vu, but it's as if you're just sort of living in circles? Like, I've been here before, I've had this conversation, I've faced this challenge for, I don't know, like the nth time. Am I simply going around in circles? Have you ever experienced anything like that before? That's not so cool. (laughs) Particularly when it's in your relationships. I know not everyone in here is married, obviously, and that's totally fine. Uh, But as a married man, I tell you, there's nothing cool about having the same argument with your spouse over and over and over again. And it's kind of different every time, but it's totally not. It's like, how many times are we gonna just go round and round and round? This story, Jacob's story, it's actually the very end of his story, but his story on a whole, it is the story of a man living in circles. He's going around and around and around and around. And as you read his story, you keep, the reader keeps thinking, when is he going to get it? When is he going to break out of the cycle? When is this going to move forward? And it's really one of those stories. Now, as I said, we've just read the very end. ...of Jacob's story. Jacob, the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham. He's one of the patriarchs. This this is one of the central figures in the story of God. We've just read the end of it. But in order to appreciate what's really happening here... ...we need to, to, at the very least, survey the whole story. It's actually ten chapters in Genesis. It's a major chunk of the narrative. I'll do my best to summarize it begins, uh, Jacob being born as a twin, and his older brother Esau comes out first, but we're told Jacob is clinging to the heel of his brother. And so his parents decide to name him Jacob, which literally means heel grabber, or supplanter, or kind of deceiver, like the guy who's going to like grab at your heels and trip you and make you fall so that he can get ahead. Parents, don't do this to your kids, okay? It's not cool. But this is where his life begins. We're told explicitly right at the beginning of the story that his father Isaac loved his brother Esau, but Rebekah, his mom, loved Jacob. So in other words, it was pretty obvious in the family who daddy really liked the most, and it wasn't Jacob. As he grows up, we're told that his brother Esau ends up being a hunter, a man's man. You can see why his dad might like him if you're that kind of dad. And Jacob, he's a quieter guy. He's an indoor kind of guy. And we're told that he's not a hunter, but he's really good, like, you know, doing housework and cooking and things like that. He's my kind of guy. Shirley's always trying to get us out of the house. I'm like, let's just just hang out. Why would we go outside? It's cold. So I'm not actually from Oregon. Forgive me. Um, eventually, we're told that his brother Esau is coming in from a hunting excursion, famished, literally on the point of death. Esau's brother Jacob, he's busy making stew. And he says to Jacob, look, I'm about to die here. I, give me some of your stew. And Jacob, the heel grabber, says, yeah, I'll give you a bowl of my stew. Give me your birthright. Give me your inheritance. And I'll give you... It's super messed up. Manipulates his brother. Exploits him because of his hunger. Eventually, they continue to grow up together. His father is around 100 years old. is coming to the end of his life. He's blind. He knows he's about to pass. And so... He calls his sons to him to prepare a final meal and bless them. As the story goes, Jacob ends up lying to his blind father, pressured by his mom, and tricks his dad, Isaac, into blessing him, the younger son, instead of his brother Esau. So he got that birthright, Esau, to it. When Esau finds out, of course, he's livid and he wants to murder his brother. So Jacob runs. Abandoning his family, running in fear of his brother Esau. As he's fleeing, Jacob has a dream. And in the dream, God introduces himself as the God of his father and grandfather. And Jacob names the place Bethel. The place we just read about. So this is Jacob's first encounter first lap around he runs and then he meets God and God introduces him to Jacob as I am the God of your father and your grandfather and Jacob calls it Bethel. Eventually Jacob he finds his mother's brother Laban, his uncle, and he ends up marrying both of Laban's daughters, and then eventually living up to his name, ends up swindling his own uncle out of virtually everything he owns. Eventually, he turns Laban's own daughters against him and flees once again. Jacob runs, this time for fear of his uncle's revenge. Second time around, running again. He begins the journey home. He decides to go back. To finally face his brother Esau after many years. But the night before he faces his brother, he finds himself coming face to face with a mysterious figure in the night. And they begin to wrestle. They wrestle all night. And Jacob refuses to relent, even with a dislocated hip. I'm told that's painful. Until God blesses him. He won't stop. He won't let go. So God who happens to be the mysterious figure, asks Jacob his name. Jacob says, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to let go. Not until you bless me. So God says, tell me your name. And He says, my name is Jacob. And God says, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. God gives him a new name, Israel. Then Jacob says to him in that same moment, please, tell me your name. This is significant. Tell me your name. And God says, why do you want to know my name? Why do you ask me not my name? Why does Jacob want to know God's name? God refuses, but he does bless Jacob. And after everything, Jacob striving all night, wrestling, refusing to let go, determined to get his blessing no matter the price, cries out in desperation, Who are you? And he doesn't get an answer. Up until this point in Jacob's life, he only ever referred to God as the God of his father and grandfather. Up until this point in his journey, the story, his living in circles, Jacob only ever refers to this God, not his his God, not as the God who he's on a first-name basis with, but the God of my Father, the God whose stories I've been told all my life, that God. He knew the stories, but he didn't know God. He knew God's provision, He knew God's protection. He knew God's blessings. But he didn't know God himself. And so in the morning, Jacob finally leaves there, faces his brother. And you know what happens? Esau forgives him. This is the crazy thing. He had been been hiding. He ran away. He abandoned his family. He was hiding out for a good portion of his life. And his brother had moved on. Esau forgives him. The story continues. Jacob travels back to Canaan, the land that God had promised Abraham and Isaac to to give them as an inheritance. You know what happens then? His daughter gets raped. He has 11 sons and one daughter, a girl named Dinah. And in the land of Canaan, one of the locals decides to take her for himself. Imagine Jacob's sons end up killing the man who, de- who did it. They slaughter his family and the entire village with them. For fear of retribution, Jacob runs again. For the third time. he's running. He's running. He's running. Only this time. God tells Jacob to stop running and go back to Bethel. He returns to Bethel, where he meets God once again for the third time now. And God reminds him of his new name. And this time, God tells him his own name. He says to Jacob, I am El Shaddai, I am God Almighty. Jacob finally learns God's name. And that's the end of the story. That's what we just read. Back in Bethel, after all of that running, God finally introduces himself in a very personal way. He tells Jacob his name. This is one man's story, but it's also a nation's story. God calls Jacob Israel and he says, from you... From your own body, from your lineage, an entire nation, nations will come. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, some of you may not, that's fine. But 12 tribes come out of Jacob. He has 11 sons, he ends up having one more. And out of those 12 sons, many nations are formed, or one nation, many tribes. The nation, of course, is called Israel. It's the story of a nation, it's also our story. You know, later on, the Bible actually refers to the church as a kind of a spiritual Israel. Now, we don't replace the nation of Israel, obviously. But in a spiritual sense, we begin to live out the very story of God. We are invited to participate. We become his people as well. And so it's our story. And I think it's an accurate story. We can spend years, decades of our lives living in circles. Now, it's important to note for the context of this story that when this story was being told, it was probably Moses. We're not told explicitly, but it was probably Moses who's now retelling the story of a people to them just before they're about to go into the land that had been promised to their forefathers. They're about to face the giants and Moses, their leader, is reminding them, this is where you came from. This is your story. You've been wandering around in the desert for four decades, living in circles, making the same mistakes over and over, succumbing to fear, meeting God in various ways. And now I'm reminding you, this is, this is your story. How are you going to respond now that it's your turn? And it's our story as well. We're all looking for the blessed life. This is what Jacob was after. He he was promised a blessing. And he was determined to get it. Good on him. He wanted the blessed life. We're all looking for our dad's affection. Can't leave that part out of the, the story. That's significant. Now some of you, some of us I should say, grew up with amazing parents. And perhaps that's not necessarily a part of your story, but oh my goodness, is it's a part of many of our stories. Many, many, many. We're looking for our breakthrough. We're looking for the one. Anyone looking for the one in here? Do you know what I mean by the one? Look, we're all looking for love. We're looking for meaning. And we run in fear leaving a trail of pain behind us everywhere we turn. We get hurt along the way. We get disappointed. We get let down. We experience brokenness. And so we run. We run. We run for fear. We want God to bless us. But what are we really looking for? The story, it begs the question. Jacob was after something. He was determined. He was willing to leave his family behind. He was willing to rip off his own uncle. To lie, cheat, steal, fight, wrestle. Even walk home with a limp. But what was he really looking for? What was he after? What did he think he wanted? And this is the question that the story, I think, compels us to ask ourselves. What are we looking for? We want God to bless us. He's promised to bless us. What exactly do we imagine that entails? And who are we running from? What are we afraid of? Striving, 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 seeking, running, fighting. For what? That's the question. And perhaps most importantly of all, who is this God, really? Somehow we all, or at least most of us, I think, eventually reach the point in our lives where we realize that somehow that what we're looking for, the meaning, the love, the security, the purpose, the blessing that we think is out there, somehow wrapped up in God himself, the one who gave us life in the first place. And so we want to know who this God is, but he asks us the question, why do you want to know my name? What are you going to do with it? What are you expecting from me? What did Jacob want from God? One one is led to wonder if, Jacob wasn't asking God's name just because he wanted to get something from him. I want to know who you are so that I can somehow get you where I need you to be so that I can acquire what I want. It's the blessing that I need. It's the protection. My brother's about to kill me. I need to know who you are so I can use you. This is Jacob's MO. How many of us have ever found ourselves running in that circle? Where I want God to do something for me. And I don't know if God really seems to play along that well. God doesn't seem to be interested in me manipulating him into doing my will. Oh, but I'll try. Subconsciously. What's it really all about? So I, I, I want to argue that we're all born with at least two things in common. We, we all experience this. You're welcome to disagree, but I'm convinced we're all born with at least two things. Number one, a name, and number two, a desire for a blessed life. We all start with a personality, a character, and this innate desire to be happy. To be loved, to be fulfilled, to experience security and significance. There's a lot of different words we could use, but we want to be blessed. We start with a name and a desire to be blessed in life. And God wants to bless you. But first, he has to do something about your name. In God's blessing, he means to change you. Because who or what you're running from or looking for, it's not out there. Esau wasn't Jacob's problem. He thought he was running away from his brother. His brother had moved on. What was he really running from? What was he really looking for And so God gave Jacob a new name, a new identity, a new core. We sang about it this morning. You know, the kingdom of God isn't out there. The kingdom of God breaks out in human hearts. That's what Jesus said. It's not far off. It's near. And it's breaking out now, beginning in your heart and mine. And your problem isn't that person, that party, that situation, that leader, that fill in the blank. You are your own worst enemy. Who are you running from? Just look in the mirror. Wherever you go, there you are. And so God wants to meet us in that place. God wants to begin to work on the inside of us. How many times have we found ourselves in like a difficult position of life? And I'm mean, like, God, just change it. Just change that person. Just remove that obstacle. Just make this situation go away. And it seems like God's like not listening, doesn't care, isn't doing what I want him to do. And he is utterly, intensely determined to do his work right here in my heart. I want him to change those people, that situation, Oh, God, just work on my family. And God's like, yeah, I am. Don't don't worry about that. I've got a plan for them as well. But you, you my son, you my daughter, I'd like to do something on the inside of you. That's God's MO. And so God gave Jacob a new name. And then... This is, the, this is the part that I love the most. And then God gave Jacob himself. He finally introduces himself to Jacob. He says, I am the God that you've been hearing stories about your whole life. Remember that story your dad told you about when Grandpa Abraham was going to sacrifice him on that mountain? And I provided a sacrifice. Yeah, Jehovah Jireh. That's me. But you only ever heard the story. You only ever caught glimpses. You only ever saw from a distance. But now I'm here to introduce myself to you personally. And I'm no longer just the God of your father and your grandfather. Jacob goes on to say, you are the Lord my God. God gives Jacob himself. It turns out what we've all been looking for and all of our living in circles, you know, what we're truly looking for, you know, the treasure we all truly desire. Have you figured it out yet? You know where I'm going with this? It's God. He's the treasure. He's the treasure. When Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a treasure buried in the field and the man who found it sold everything he found, everything he had to buy the field and dig it up, You know who the treasure was? Jesus. The treasure is God himself. There is nothing more valuable, wonderful, freeing, transforming, healing, etc., etc. In this life, than God himself, God's presence, God introducing himself personally, coming into a human life. (laughs) Sorry. Getting all choked up. Embarrassing. God's telling me to calm down. Actually, that's not the end of the story. I uh, was sitting in my theology course on Monday. Taking courses at Western Seminary. And uh, Todd Miles, my biblical theology instructor, for whatever reason, had something to do with the Bible, I'm sure but he asked if anyone had been watching The Mandalorian. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, And then he began to raise your hand if you've not seen The Mandalorian, but you still plan on seeing it. Okay, well, plug your ears. I'm about to spoil it for you, okay? So he, he told me that there's an end credit scene at the very last episode after, All the credits are done rolling. The scene comes. I had missed it. My family and I, we were like hardcore into the Mandalorian. And I'm like, and it ends. It's an epic ending, by the way. You're like, oh, my gosh. Like, I just wish it would keep going. And then, of course, my boy and I are speculating. Like, do you think it will go again? But where will they go from there? And how is this going to work out? We didn't know there was a secret scene at the end of the credits. And so my theology instructor was like, what do you got So I went home. My guy's. We immediately got onto Disney+. Plus. There's a secret scene after the the credits roll. You know what happens next. And this is actually a bit of a tragic scene. If you keep reading, the credits have rolled. And now we find Jacob, his family. They're continuing to move back towards the land that they had been promised. Where God would begin to or continue to fulfill his promise. And we're told that Rachel... His wife goes into labor with his 12th son, Benjamin, and she dies. She dies in labor. And we're told that just before she died, she declared that this little boy will be named Ben-Oni, the son of my sorrow. And Benjamin uh, and Jacob says, "Mm -mm." Rachel dies, and he says, no. This little boy is going to be called Benjamin, the son of my right hand. You know where he was born? In Bethlehem. The son of my right hand, born in Bethlehem. The story's not over. That was only the first season. This is our story. This is the story of Jesus. This is why God came down. In Jesus Christ, God came near to set you free, to give you a new name, to transform you, to rescue you, to save us all from running in circles, to break the cycle, to give us the treasure we're all truly looking for. Can we stand together, please? Heavenly Father Great storyteller you are Thank you for the way that you so patiently pursue us You are you are relentless In the same way that you tracked with Jacob, you met him in those moments when he was running away, you met him every time. When fear had seized him, there you were. Thank you for the way you chase us and meet us in our pain. Thank you for the way you you help us to see where our true treasure lies. You're it. You have everything we need and then some. Lord, would you help us? Would you continue the work that you've begun in our hearts? In a way that we might stop running in certain circles. Stop blaming everyone around us. Stop holding on to unforgiveness. Would you help us to enjoy just how good and faithful you are? And Lord, would you help us to be the blessing that you have blessed us to be to others? You told Jacob that the promise is that you would multiply him and, and grow his family well beyond his imagination, even his own life, so that the whole world might be blessed through him. Lord, would you help us to be those people that leave this place with eyes wide open, with hearts soft towards people hurting all around us, that we might invite others to to join your family, to come home, We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.